0: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Let's get right to it for people wondering about uh, some thoughts and also what's going on at Hallis Hall in terms of hosting people for pre-draft visits. The biggest name, of course, Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter visited Hallis Hall this week, according to reports, Dan, there are a couple of interesting things I, I want to explore. I guess number one is what that means yeah. in terms of how real their intentions might be to draft him versus is it more of a, what they refer to often as a smoke screen and, and to kind of you know show a misdirection, if you will. The other thing I think is interesting about the reports related to Jalen Carter was what ESPN reported about how he will only visit teams drafting in the top 10. But to me, this little significant bit of information, maybe you can help shed some light on, Drew Rosenhaus is now representing him. I don't know how recent of an addition that is. My sense is that Drew Rosenhaus uh, was not representing him during the pro day experience that was a negative one for Jalen Carter. But there's a lot there. Jalen Carter at House Hall and will only visit teams drafting in the top 10.
2: Well, Jalen Carter has been signed on with the Rosenhaus agency since he put himself into this process. So he has been part of that agency from step one uh, after his college career finished. And, and, and now he goes through this process. So that is notable. Um, the visit to me, David, is significant in that it shows you that the Bears are um, intent on being thorough. And making sure they get the most comprehensive evaluation of a prospect that three months ago everyone assumed would be one of the top two players taken in this draft. And so I think it's smart by Ryan Poles and his staff to use that tool to be able to have Jalen Carter on campus, to be able to ask them as many questions as they possibly can about any issues they possibly have to try to make sure that they get themselves comfortable with whatever decision they're going to make on draft night, if they even get a decision. There's a a possibility that Jalen Carter is gone before the Bears even pick, but you have to be prepared. You have to do your homework. You have to have a feeling inside the building on who this guy is, not only as a player, but who he is as a teammate, who he is as a worker, who he is as a professional, and that's why an on-campus vision visit is is so meaningful because you can you can have them on your turf and you can feel that out and you can dig into as many deep issues as you want to make sure that everything that's gone on here over the last three months has um, a little bit more clarity for you a- and you can understand the wiring of the kid, the thought process of the kid, the 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 red flags with the kid, and you just get it all. Put into a pot, right? And then and then sometime in the next three weeks you have to have that long, hard discussion inside the building on what do we do if he's available to us at number nine.
1: I really didn't know that the Rosenhaus agency was representing him. And I think I, I sound a little surprised and maybe I should have known that, but it seemed like that whole pro day thing was not handled in a way that typically Drew's clients are handled. I mean, there's there was there was kind of a mixed message coming out of there it was not he was prepared fully and you don't often see that from an agency that is uh as experienced in putting guys in the best possible light as Rosenhouse clearly is that's maybe beside the point dan i i do wonder though in terms of you you mentioned how you know it, it, the bears drafting ninth would jalen carter even be there i fully expect him not to be uh, on the board at ninth. I, I think that he's it'd be. – I'd be surprised if the Lions let him get past six. I also think there might be a team that jumps ahead perhaps if they feel like the risk is, is – uh, the reward is worth the risk. I don't know if the Bears are in that situation. So oddly enough, I think maybe this is due diligence. They have to do this because Ryan Poles kind of previewed that he would talk to him, and you want to be sure that you do that. But I, I, don't, I think it m- might ultimately be I don't say much ado about nothing, but I guess I would be very surprised if Jalen Carter still on the board at number
2: one. Well, well, look, we talked in our last episode about some of the things that Ryan Poles said from the owners' meetings, which was, look, the, the the locker room may not necessarily be at a place right now in this stage of the rebuild to run itself, and so you want to be a little bit more careful on the risks you take and 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 sort of the the potential problems that you bring into a locker room like that. And so I think they're they're, they're married to that stance. At the same time, if you visit with a kid and you, you it can one of two ways, either you can get greater comfort. And some of the things that made you very uncomfortable uh, over the last couple months, or you can just get greater certainty on, yeah, yeah, we're making the right decision. This isn't a fit for our building. And we saw it firsthand because he was in the building and we felt that he wasn't a fit. Right. And so that's part of this process. That's really interesting. I think the operative word here, when, when you have a, a better understanding of kind of the things that they're talking through inside the walls of 1920 football drive is trust. They want to know that the player that they're drafting to be the headliner of their 2023 draft class can be trusted. And that goes in a number of different directions, right? It's can you be trusted to work as hard as every other teammate in the locker room? Can you be trusted to handle fame and uh, spotlight and renown uh, the way they want you to, not only in the first couple of years of your NFL career, but for the long term? Can you be trusted to take care of your professional business when you're away from the facility? And so sifting through that, um, takes homework. It takes a lot of homework. And, and as you know, uh, I think there have been times in the past at House Hall under different administrations where the homework hasn't been complete. And it's something that I would take my son away from the dinner table and say, listen, more detail. <laughs> you know, this homework is fine and you can turn that in and get your passing grade or whatever, but more detail. Do this to the, 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 the most thorough possible uh, solution that you can find. And that's what the Bears are doing right now.
1: Stop cheating off the Texans. Right. <laughs> um, so, um, you, you look at the the pre-draft visit process, and, and I'm curious, you know, what you overall think the value of that can be besides due diligence. You mentioned, you know, what they're looking for in Jalen Carter. I think typically, how in in your experience have you found those to be in, in impactful for the the decision? Because you know, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, yeah, six six two seventy. The guy who is a specimen. He's at Hallis Hall. So you're going to hear names, and I think what people strive to, to do is to understand what that means. So I guess if you had to tell somebody you run into at the grocery store, hey, did you hear uh, Tyree Wilson's visiting Hallis Hall? Hey, Jalen Carter was there. How do you answer those questions about exactly what that means to? whether or not they're going to draft him or not.
2: Well, yeah, it it means nothing to whether they're going to draft him or not. I've always um laughed when when there is a lot of hullabaloo made of so and so is visiting. It, it it doesn't there's no correlation between guys who visit and guys who are eventually picked by the team. There have been years where the Bears have put together entire classes, you know, that that haven't had uh, anybody that's visited. And and so there, there's not correlation there. But for the people inside the building there, it's very important because it helps you, again, further your evaluation of someone. You get interactions face-to-face that feel a little different. You get other people in your building with a chance to meet a player who may have an impression or an experience that they can relay that, that illuminates a little bit more of the character of the player that you're bringing in. I think it's really interesting because Ryan Poles noted last week at the owner's meetings that obviously the COVID world disrupted everything right? During the 2020 draft process and ever since to some extent, because Zoom became a tool and the Bears can can Zoom interview a lot more prospects in 2023 than they were ever doing five years ago. And so there's a volume to that that is significant. But as Ryan said, it also takes away from the the, the sort of in-person feeling that you get with a guy that can be significant and and he gave one example from last year's draft class Jaquan Brisker he said we interviewed Jaquan at the combine uh you know he was fine we interviewed him at the pro day he was fine he came into our ca- campus for a, a top 30 visit and his passion just came flowing out through the entirety of the visit the, the 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 love for the game of football the way he kind of is wired and 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 goes about his business emanated, right? And so they felt really good uh, uh, on the first night that they got to pick last year, which was day two, uh, in who Jaquan Brisker was, and they felt very comfortable in drafting him, in part because that pre-draft visit gave them a feeling, and sometimes that is is important. Sometimes it's important in the wrong direction, because sometimes you get feelings that are wrong, but at the very least, I think these these 30 visits give you a, a full day to kind of run things on your terms and get a, a clearer picture of who a guy is or who he isn't. And I doubt they played dark. Or pu-
1: pu- pu- during these visits, <laughs> they might have I mean, something
2: in there, right? They might,
1: they might go down. <laughs> do you think they'll have maybe some sort? Of, yeah, I, I don't know. I would be curious. I would love to find out uh, what the agenda is on these typical visits and who spends uh, what, who spends time with these prospects. Is it beyond the position coach and other people who might give them a different aspect? You know, it, it, and also I think it's interesting. I, I remember, I forget the year, but uh, somebody who was visiting at House Hall. As a prospect, their agency and then said the player was first reaction was, I thought we were going to Chicago. <laughs> it was like, I thought this was the <laughs> Chicago Bears because they landed O'Hare, they drive to Lake Forest, they visit Hallis Hall, and then they go back and they don't really ever get a chance, at least in that example, to see the city. And I think there's a lot of different things that come out of these visits. Not anything really that relevant necessarily, but all kind of newsworthy at a time where everything, everybody's looking for a little piece of information.
2: I'm trying to remember. I'd have to go back in my archives. I know it's probably in there. That I, I believe there was a dinner with Roquan Smith in, in 2018 that left a strong impression on both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Uh, and, and so like, just having a guy in that environment and kind of seeing how stiff or how loose or how Um, thoughtful and how engaged he is, it it can be revealing, you know, and it's all just part of the process. Again, like we'll learn more about the, the draft class that the bears put together at the end of this month. And we'll figure out at various points of the pre-draft process, what exactly sold Ryan and his staff on certain players. Ryan did a great job last year of making the area scouts available to us during draft weekend to get the you know those are the 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 guys with the first guys with the boots on the ground that give you the initial sort of attraction to a player and then you kind of learn about how um, a a certain player went through the process and how they wound up becoming a Chicago Bear because of the attraction that the the team had to them
1: a couple other things I want to get to so Dan we talk about the culture And Ryan Poles alluded at the owners meetings whether or not the Bears have the kind of experience where that could absorb or maybe even protect a guy like Jalen Carter who needs that structure, needs those veterans, needs that kind of experience to lean on. So it got me thinking, you know, when you talk about a guy like David Montgomery, Mm -hmm. who uh, Ryan Poles essentially said pick the Lions over the Bears because the Bears made an offer that was very similar in, in terms of guaranteeing money in the second year and very co- competitive in terms of the overall size of the package. And it just came down to, as polls alluded to, sometimes you can't convince a player. just wants to be somewhere else. Is that something that we should keep an eye on? Is that something that is a one-off? Do, I, I'm trying to interpret what it means <laughs> when a guy who they liked so much and kind of epitomized everything you want in a chicago bear said you know what all things being equal and the money apparently was i'd rather play in detroit for the lions
2: well I wrote about this at the end of the first week of free agency because I was struck by the tone that Montgomery had at his introductory press conference in Detroit. Now, obviously, any guy who signs with a new team is going to go there with a level of excitement uh, to join that new organization. But there was something in in David's kind of tone and body language that indicated uh, almost a frustration. And then you go through the numbers and you look at his four years in Chicago that the Bears never finished higher than 24th in total offense, never finished higher than 23rd in the league in scoring. And he's joining a Lions offense that last year was top five in both of those categories. He's joining the Lions offense that last year took Jamal Williams from this sort of ordinary middle tier running back into a guy who was going uh, into the end zone every single week, you know, and scoring 15, 16 touchdowns in a season. And so the opportunity to to join a high powered offense after you've been in, I, I mean, think about when David joined the bears 2019 through 2022 has been a slog offensively. They have been stuck reworking things, trying to new things, trying to refigure things out, trying another new thing. It's been a constant, we can't get this right. And, No matter how hard we try, we can't get this right scenario in Chicago. And you can understand why a player would then sort of take note to see if the grass is greener somewhere else. Now, Ryan Poles was very clear at the owners meetings last week and saying, number one, players have a choice. And David, obviously, he chose Detroit, but also that knowing how David Montgomery is wired, seeing him twice a year, at least in 2023 is going to be interesting because as hard as David Montgomery runs <laughs> every time he touches the football, you have to imagine he's going to turn it up even one more half notch when he plays the bears uh, just because, you know, it didn't it result in a second contract here in Chicago. Um, it's going to be fascinating, but t- I think David, to your larger point, the bears aren't in a position where people are, are, are gravitating towards them. We can, you know, pick hands fed questions to prospects on how much Justin Fields being in Chicago led them to become a Chicago bear. But the fact of the matter is, is that the bears took a lot of swings in free agency. And I want to get into this a little bit more later in the show that they didn't connect on. And David Montgomery's one of them. And so like we can talk all we want about, Oh yeah, they've got this master plan and they're, they're playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. The, the fact of the matter is, is that they don't succeed in every decision they make in the spring. And that's, this is one example where they didn't with a homegrown player who you thought was a true uh, DNA guy inside the locker room at House Hall.
1: Let's get into some of those free agent questions, because I do uh, think the Bears, the first wave's done, the second wave's done. Now we're at the, you know, picked over phase, and I wonder who else is out there, what you learn from the experience. The first name that comes to mind is somebody that a lot of, Contenders, we'll be talking to Frank Clark's an edge rusher. I don't know at the stage of his career, but because of the Chiefs connection, you do wonder. Dan, what is your overall number one assessment of who else might be left? And secondly, the things you learned in looking back. During the free agent process.
2: Well, I think Leonard Floyd is still out there as well, right? So if you <laughs> want a reunion in Lake Forest with Leonard, that, that that might be available to you. I think it's worth reiterating that this next wave of free agency is likely to come after the draft. As we talked about the last time, Like players now kind of want to see how the landscape settles after the draft and where the opportunities are best. Because obviously the money for anybody that's still left on the market wasn't what they thought it was going to be. You know, And so when that happens, the next thing you're looking for is opportunity. And sometimes opportunity comes in the form of, hey, I want to go join a contender and chase a ring, and I want to see how that works out. And sometimes it comes in the form of, who's got an opportunity for me to really, really uh, have a, a leading role on offense or defense and, and to be able to make a big splash to get my next contract? The Bears, obviously, in the latter category, would be high up that list because their depth chart is so uh, unestablished right and, and and not rock solid that that they're going to have opportunities to give to guys after draft weekend passes it'll be interesting to see where that goes on the topic of free agency i think probably my most notable um takeaway a couple weeks later here i guess we're probably three plus weeks now beyond the the free agency negotiating window opening is that the bears were active. And taking big swings in the defensive tackle market, David, and they didn't connect. You know, there, there was a sense of deflation at Hall's Hall uh, when Javon Hargrave got a massive deal from the 49ers that the Bears had uh, no ability or no willingness probably is more likely to match just based on where they had valued him. Draymond Jones, a guy they, they had interest in, but only to a point, right? And he goes and signs a big deal with the Seahawks. You have uh, Dalvin Tomlinson and David Onyemada, two guys that the Bears were in the mix for, didn't get. To me, this is reflective of Ryan's approach and we can critique it two years down the road on whether um, you know he's being, practical and prudent, or whether he's being overly cautious with some of this, because this was an offseason where the Bears did have flexibility to overextend themselves a little bit and go beyond the value that they thought a player was at, but Ryan is wedded to the idea that that's when you make big mistakes, and so he stays true to a philosophy of, hey, once it surpasses our value bucket, which happened with Draymond Jones, they were active in the conversations with Draymond Jones, and once it got past a certain number, uh, it was okay, you know, best of luck to you, that's, that's as far as we're willing to go, and now he signs elsewhere, you know, so so there, there is a lot here where the Bears' only notable addition to the interior of their defensive line is Andrew Billings. <laughs> As you know, that didn't cause a lot of waves in Chicago. That wasn't a big Chicago Tribune front page headline. Bears sign Billings, rebuild, you know, complete. You know, they've got I, I a lot more remember, to do. And so I, I think I don't it's remember. just notable. Yeah, I don't remember breaking into programming. Yeah, you remember where you were when D.J. Moore became a Bear, right? You don't remember where you were when Andrew Billings became a Bear. So that tells you all you need to know. The Bears have a lot of work to do to shore up the defensive line position. That's interior and on the edge. And they're going to have to do a lot more of it in the weeks ahead. They didn't get as much done in free agency as they went into free agency intending to do. And it's okay to note that. It's also okay to note that Ryan has been emphatic in saying, look, I'm very understanding that I can't fill every hole in one off season and that there are going to be holes that we get to to June of this year that aren't filled that they say, look, like this was never going to be a one-year rebuild. And so we have to just save some of our assets and our capital, both draft and salary cap wise for 2024 and beyond. And, And that's just where they are right now.